got this blessing to have him come and share the word with us this morning. So I just want to pray for him. Are uh, you going to introduce yourself a bit more? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so just pray for Cherry. Lord, we just thank you that Cherry could be with us this morning. Thank you that you have ordained this moment in your sovereign will. Lord, and we welcome him here, and we just ask that you would come and speak through him, Lord, that we might be blessed by your word in your name. Amen. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Daniel. Good morning, everyone. It is such a joy to be with you this morning and have a wonderful fellowship with you in praising and worshiping our great and mighty God. And uh, I would like to introduce to you myself. I'm uh, Chari Rifuhiu from the Philippines, and I have one son and three adopted children, and I am married to one and only wife, <laughs> a beautiful wife, Evelyn. And I'm, uh, I am a, uh, a partner of the Vision for Asia. I met Daniel in the Vision for Asia conference four years ago, and it is so lovely to see him again here, and also my brother Jason here. So I have my sister here with me, who travel with me in the Philippines tomorrow, uh, Emerald and my brother-in-law, Martin, and their son, Jeffro. So thank you also, Mary. So I just uh, grabbed this opportunity to thank Mary and Peter for arranging this to me. And, and this meeting is not part of my itinerary, but it is the Lord who ordained me to be here with you. And thank you so much for allowing me and having me here this morning. So I will share to you, I, I have a, a short video here to give you a, a glimpse or uh, an idea of what I'm doing or what the Lord is doing. It's not all about me, but it is the Lord's doing in the Philippines. Despite of our many challenges, Despite of persecution and, um, and despite of many problems and testing of the body of Christ, of the church, of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Philippines. But we serve a great and mighty God. Who over, that He is the great and mighty God that no one and nobody could stand against Him. Praise God. God, to God be all the glory. So, uh, for the great and mighty things He has done in the Philippines, despite of many challenges, but God is on the throne. He said that upon this rock I will build my church, that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. No one and no demons from hell can stop the kingdom of God that will continue to advance. Amen. So, um, I speak to God and seek God's word for this morning. And the Lord is leading me to speak to you in the book of Matthew. If you have Bibles with you, you can turn your Bibles. In Matthew chapter 9, 
verse 35 to 38. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 35, it says here, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I see, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are, all, they are already white for harvest. God always blesses his word. Let us pray. Most gracious and loving Father, we thank you, Lord, for a wonderful opportunity and a great privilege to be with my brothers and sisters, Lord, here. In this place. And thank you, Father, for a wonderful things, Lord, that we could dwell and stay in your presence. And thank you, Lord, for your presence that are here with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've done in our lives and the thing that you're going to do in our lives. And Father, as we ponder upon your word this morning, as we meditate upon your word, Lord, allow your Holy Spirit, O oh God, to speak to each one of us, to minister to each one of us. Father, I pray that you will open our spiritual senses, open our spiritual ears to hear you, Lord. Open our spiritual eyes to behold your glory. Spirit of the living God, come and saturate our entire being. Come and invade this place, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So Jesus declared, the fields are ripe and the harvest plentiful. And it's time to begin reaping. That's what the Bible says. At that moment, the great final spiritual harvest began. It started as a harvest among the Jews and Gentiles of Jesus' generation. And the same harvest is going to last until Christ's return. As I read this passage, I wonder what did Jesus see or saw in his time that caused him to say the harvest is ready, so now is the time to reap. Did he saw or he see a spiritual awakening in Israel at the time? Was the revival in the synagogue at the time? Were priests 
turning back to God at the time. Were scribes and piracies being convicted at the time? So a question, what evidence was there that the harvest was ripe? So the Gospels don't reveal much evidence of any spiritual move toward God as we read the Scriptures. But they, sweet, but they show the opposite, the very opposite. Why? Because in the time of Jesus' ministry, Jesus was mocked in the synagogues. The nation's spiritual leaders rejected him, questioning his integrity and divinity because he is just a son of a carpenter. And one religious crowd tried to throw him over a cliff. So, but what Jesus saw, that he said the harvest was ripe. The multitudes, the multitudes that were, that were scattered. The Bible said this is what Jesus saw. When he saw the multitude, he say, it, said, it says here that he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were embroiled in chaotic despair. They are weary. They are scattered like a sheep without shepherd. So look, brothers and sisters in the Lord. These are the signs that fields arrive and harvests are plentiful. A society was fearful, stressed out, depressed, hopeless, like a scattered sheep, hurting, full of problems. Do you think Jesus' words about a ripe harvest apply today? Think about it. See what's happening around us. That this generation we live in is a perverse and wicked generation. It's full of anxiety, worry, depressed. Multitudes are fearful as they watch incredible disasters unfold. Hurricanes, earthquakes, tsunamis. Mudslides, tornadoes, and recently, volcanic eruption in Hawaii and in Guatemala. And entire nations tremble with fear over the threat of terrorism. And heart failure is the number one killer of the world today. So in other words, the time we live in, is everything that can be shaken right now is being shaken. Because that's what the Bible says. Through prophet Haggai, the Lord said that in the last days, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the seas. So this is now the season. We are now in the history, in the point of the history that God is shaking the world. It is now the season of shakening. 
but brothers and sisters in the Lord, in the midst of all upheaval and turmoil, we must hear Jesus' words that Jesus say, the fields are white, the harvest are plentiful. And I am strongly believe and convinced that he is stealing his church today. Not just this church, but the church, the body of Christ around the world. That God is stealing his church, that this is the time to believe for a harvest. And now is for you to start reaping. Because Jesus Christ is the Lord of the harvest. And if he declares the harvest is ready, we must believe it. It doesn't matter how wicked this generation becomes. It doesn't matter that your laws here says that you cannot preach in the open air that Jesus is the only way. It doesn't matter how powerful Satan seemed to have grown. Our Lord is saying to us, stop focusing on the difficulties around you. Instead, raise up your eyes to him on what he can do to you, for you, and through you. Jesus' last words before he ascended to heaven, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples among the nations. That's the last words. Jesus, that's the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. He gives us an assurance that all authority in heaven and on earth is given to him. It's upon Jesus. That's why he gives us a commission. Therefore, go and make disciples among the nations. Evangelism and preaching the word is not just a job of a pastor. It's not a job, that's just a job of a deacons or an elders. It is the commandment of our Lord Jesus Christ to every believer, to every sons and daughters of God who accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We are commissioned by God to go and make disciples among the nations. Brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's why God is awakening His church, the body of Christ. He awakened us. Because it's very sad. The Bible says here that the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So God is in the business of seeking laborers. The harvests are plentiful. So God is in the business of seeking laborers because the laborers are few. So my question is, why are there so few laborers? Why are there so few laborers? Very sad, brothers and sisters in the Lord, to see some churches today are packed with believers who claim Christ is, the very, is their very life. 
and millions of dollars are spent on building worship centers everywhere. But the truth is, if we're not capable of reaping souls, if our lives don't reflect the transforming power of the gospel we preach, we teach, or heard, or read, then we have discounted ourselves as leverage. Many Christians today who live a life that is so passive, who, who lives a life that is so very comfortable and easy, they went to the church every Sunday, then back home, watching TV most of the time, their favorite program in the television, not knowing that millions, billions of, of souls that are, that are out there are lost, are dying, and they're going to hell without being an given an opportunity to hear the gospel. It's very sad that the church are in deep slumber, was asleep. They're very comfortable in their four corners of their church. So brothers and sisters in the Lord, the Lord says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And that's the message from the Lord this morning, brothers and sisters in the Lord. I'm so very blessed of the worship, the songs that we sing. Arise. Because that's the message from the Lord for His church. That God is awakening His bride to arise, my beloved. To arise, my love, from complacency, from compromise. Because I will do great and mighty things in your life. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, salvation is free. Jesus paid it all. At the cross. But there is only one thing. And one place. That you could collect. And receive your salvation. And that place is the cross. That's the only place. That we could collect and receive salvation. The cross. That's why Jesus came here. To die on the cross, not just to save us from our sin. Not just to deal the curse of sin. Not just to save us from the power and the penalty of sin. But Jesus went to the cross to give us a roadmap. And he led us an example that you and I must come to the cross. And surrender our life there. Jesus came to die so that you and I must die and live in him. He made an example to each one of us that we should come to the cross. By the grace of God, last year I went to Israel. And I went to the old city there. And the old city has many gates. And my brother of mine, when we, from in He's from Vision for Asia, Brother Andrew. We have a nice conversation. And he said to me, do you know that there is another gate at the top of the hill? 
I said, I never see it. And he said, that gate is made on two wooden cross, two wooden woods. And that's the cross. Wow. The cross is the gate to eternal life. That's the only place that you could collect your salvation and receive your salvation. So we should come to the cross and surrender our life there and lay down all our ambitions, our dreams, our will, our plan there before God. And when we come to the cross, we have an encounter with our living, resurrected Christ. And He will, can give us His very life. A life that is full of, upon, that is abundant. Eternal life. And we, it's, the cross is a place of exchange. We could lay down our dreams, our ambitions, our desire, everything there at the cross. And he can give us his dreams, his plans, his purpose, his will that is far greater than our dreams, that is far greater than our imagination, or cannot, far greater than our comprehension. Because in God, all things are possible. So that's the message from the Lord. That's why Jesus, when he came to the cross, he died there. symbol, it is an emblem that you and I should come to the cross and he welcomes everyone to come to the cross. It's a symbol that God is that Christ is saying to us, come to me, my precious daughter. Come to me, my precious son. I will lavish my love to you. I will give you my dream. My will that is far greater than your comprehension or dreaming. Praise the Lord. And when we come to the cross, do not pinch your tent there. Because there is a door there. And that door that he could baptize us and fill us with his Holy Spirit. That he could fill us with his love. We cannot love others. We cannot love sinners. We cannot.
to go. Deliverers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Out of time. We have a little amount of time now. Because the signs and wonders, the signs that foretold the coming of the Lord is now unfold. And he hastened the days of his return. And one day you and I will give an account to him when we see him face to face. Have we done our part? Have we do the commandments and the will and the purpose of God in our life? Because this life will not matter at all. What matters the most in this life is you do the will of God and you obey the commands of God. Praise the Lord. So our walk with God should offer fruit to the world that God's promises are true. The cross came before Pentecost. Remember that. There are many people today who pray for the mighty move of God, who pray for revival. But I will tell you, the mighty move of God will not come. Revival will not come unless you and I should come to the cross first and surrender our life there. And we live a life a life that is a reflection of the transcending glory of God. Even if you do not know how to speak or preach, if you go to the people, your presence could change the atmosphere. It's not all about you, but it's because of the glory that is in you. That's why in, book, in the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verses 1 to 2, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It is not the glory of God dropped from heaven that is pouring out to us, but it is the glory of God that is in us that will rise up to others. And that's the world is waiting for. The world is waiting for to see the sons and daughters of God, the manifested sons and daughters of God who carries the very glory of God. That's why the world did not like Christianity at all. Because Christianity now is dead. Because church without the Holy Spirit is like a social club. We need the fire of God in our lives. We need the love of God that will saturate us. That could broken our hearts. That, we could, that could broken us so that we could be broken for others. To reach them out with the love of God and bring them, them to Christ. That's the very purpose of our lives. That's the ultimate purpose of our lives. To be like Christ. Christ's likeness is the ultimate purpose of every 
sons and daughters of God to be like them. So before that, brothers and sisters in the Lord, God is always waiting us to come to Him daily and surrender our lives to Him. That's what Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which now I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and who gives himself for me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I will pray for you. Father, I just shared him the word, Lord, that you have put in my heart. And your word said, Lord, that your word will not come to you void. But it will achieve the purpose to whom you send it. And Father, I pray that you will bless each one of us that are here. Father, I pray that you will continue to reveal to each one of us in a greater way of revelation that we never had before. Father, I pray that you will visit each and every individual that are here. Father, I pray, God, for your special visitation to each one of us in this season. And Father, I pray that you will raise up this great and lovely men and women of yours to take this nation for Christ. Father, I pray for the mighty anointing of the Holy Spirit be upon each one of us, Lord, in the name of Jesus that will rise up in such power and authority that comes from your throne. Hallelujah, Jesus, Lord, we are so excited in this season we are living in. That despite of the gross darkness that covers the people, thick darkness that covers the earth, but your glory, O oh God, that rises upon your people. And Father, in the name of Jesus, use each one of us, Lord. I pray. And Father, I pray for the grace. Steer our soul once again. Steer our innermost being, Lord. In Jesus' name. And Father, we pray that you will break our hearts as what breaks yours. Break our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray for this church. That you will continue to use this church, Lord. To advance your kingdom. To extend the, the tent, Lord. That the, the horizons will be broken. Because your kingdom will continue to advance by using these brothers and sisters of mine. And Father, I pray that you will satisfy each one of us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And fill us with your Holy Spirit. And Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.